Praise the Lord, everybody. This is day 27. We're going to be hitting the topic of manifesting His glory, great moves of God, part 3. Shall we just lift our hands today and ask God to help us, you know, inspire us and do what He needs to do in this generation. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask God that you help us, lead us and guide us. Lord, again, God, we are getting excited and we are anticipating a great move during DCD. Father, use all these stories, God, to not uh, uh, put you in a box, but Lord, to to, to enlarge our vision, enlarge our, uh, our thoughts about you, Father, right now, so that we can see our generation, oh God, moving in the direction that you want them to move. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. You know, again, uh, we are... Uh, following up with the story of Azusa Street, what happened after that? So let me let me re-emphasize that during that time there wasn't any revelation on water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ or the teaching of the oneness of God yet. So let's talk about how those doctrine became renewed or revived. In 1910, there was an understanding that sanctification is not a part of a separate experience. Before this, because of the influence of the holiness movement and the Methodists, they believe uh, the, the uh, something called the second work of grace or entire sanctification. But according to the Bible, that we are made holy based on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So in 1913, there was a camp meeting in Arroyo Seco, California that was trying to rekindle the Azusa fire. And there was an expectation that God would do something special, something new. They had a prominent set of evangelists and they had people that were in expectations and so on. At this camp meeting, Canadian evangelist R.E. McAllister was chosen to perform water baptism. During the service, he made a command that would have profound implication for the Pentecostal movement. McAllister observed that in the New Testament book of Acts, the apostles baptized converts in the name of Jesus Christ, not with the traditional Trinitarian formula in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. McAllister's statement stirred discussion and controversy among the attendees. While the command was brief, it resonated with several ministers and evangelists present. I think it's interesting also that Charles Parham himself, right after receiving the Holy Ghost in 1901, he has this testimony in his book, A Voice Crying in the Wilderness, where God spoke to him and said that, have you obeyed all my commands? And he said, yes. And the question keeps coming. Finally, God drew his attention to Acts 2.38. So from that day onwards, he started baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. He did not associate with any particular doctrine of oneness, but he felt like he was just following the scripture. And the reason why we know that is because of his own testimony. Also, Brother Howard Goss, who is the first general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church, he was converted straight from atheism into Pentecostal Christianity under the ministry of Parham. 
Brother Howard Goss, by his own testimony, Parham baptized him in Jesus' name. That would be around 1902 or maybe 1903. Now, at the Azusa Street Revival, apparently at least some were baptized in the name of Jesus because the Mexican Apostolic Church testified that their leaders were baptized as early as maybe 1907 or 1909 in Los Angeles in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, back to the Ario camp meeting. There were a number of people begin studying this out. What does this mean? Why they baptize in Jesus? What's the implication? Why did they baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? And what does that mean about the identity of Jesus Christ? A new understanding came and Frank Ewood was key. G.T. Hayward was also key in developing not only an understanding of baptism, but the importance of Jesus Christ as it relates to baptism and his identity. So the practice of baptism in Jesus' name at the worldwide camp meeting in April the 2nd, 1930, really caused people to start looking at it. Frank Ewood was a pastor in Los Angeles. He had originally immigrated from Australia. And then Glenn Cook was the business manager of Azusa Street, but he was working with Ewood. Then J.T. Haywood was a prominent African-American minister in Indianapolis. Ewood and Cook began to look more at the doctrine of God. What are the implications? Did the apostle not understand Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19? Or did they disobey him? when he said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They said, no, they must have understood him correctly. They must have figured out when he said the name, which is singular, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, he's actually referring to the name of Jesus. And when you look at the other gospel accounts, then you look at the book of Acts, then you look at the epistles, the proper way to fulfill the Lord's command is the name of Jesus. But why? Because in the name Jesus dwells all the fullness of Godhead, bodily, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit revealed in Jesus. And so that led to the doctrine of oneness of God. And so on April 1914, one year later, Frank Ewood preached his first sermon on Acts 2.38. It's the plan of salvation, the oneness of God and baptism in Jesus' name. At the end of that message, he baptized Glenn Cook in Jesus' name and Glenn Cook baptized him in Jesus' name. And to me, that was a pivotal moment because not only were they baptizing new converts, but they were also saying even people who already had been baptized needed to be rebaptized to follow the pattern of the book of Acts. And so that led to a distinct separation between Trinitarian Pentecostalism as represented by the Assemblies of God and the Wonders Pentecostalism as represented by the UPCI. They went two separate ways over this issue. The issue, should everybody be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? 
And does this practice represent a different doctrine of God, namely the oneness of God instead of the Trinity, the traditional doctrine of the Trinity? So I would say that those events of 1913 and 1914 really forged what we know of as the oneness Pentecostal movement today. What's amazing to me is that this revelation came to unlearned people. These people who are not coming uh, from any tradition, not from a theological perspective, they were like, they weren't like uh, a Bible scholars, but they simply took the pages of the scripture and they found the simple truth of the oneness of God and begin to declare it. And uh, how refreshing that is to me when I read it. I think the key thing is, it was not a long theological development. It was not a people in seminaries working through doctrines that that was much different than what we talk about the doctrine of Trinity developing over 300 years, almost 400 years. No, this was like lightning. I think the reason was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible does say, Jesus said, the Spirit shall lead you to all truth. And so shortly after, uh, uh, you know, uh, you find Parham begins baptizing in Jesus' name. Uh, Another man we haven't mentioned, but quickly uh, became a key figure was Andrew Urshan. He was an immigrant from Persia. He was a, a Syrian Christian And so he comes to the U.S. Uh, He received the Holy Ghost by his testimony. He was baptizing in Jesus' name as early as 1910. Very early, just on his own. And he was baptizing new converts. And then when he became the first Pentecostal missionary uh, uh, of of, uh, Russia, and it was Russia that he himself, uh, uh, you know, uh, it would have been around 1916. He decided, even though I already been baptized, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so he started the first Pentecostal mission in Russia, which was Jesus' name. So in short order, you have these key people. Again, I think God has a sense of humor. You know, he, God designed it because you see, no one can, can get the, the the glory. Amen. Uh, uh, you see, the multi-racial, multi-ethnic character, uh, it is God assembling people from all over the world, from different backgrounds to show the beginning of the church. And it's not going to be one race or one culture. Amen. And, and it's not going to be a, a Western civilization or European or white people for that matter, Asian or black or anything else. You see, God could have probably done so, but he chose three key leaders as far as their influence, as far as their writing, as far as explaining and convincing people. Uh, uh, and these people are Frank, uh, who is an Australian, JT who, Hayward, which is the African-American, and Andrew Urshan, which is the Assyrian Persian. It happened so fast, they converged and they had this simple, logical, biblical explanation of the plan of salvation according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, including receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, the oneness of God, and of course, they all believe in a practical, experiential life of holiness. It was in the wake of the Azusa Street Revival, which began in 1906, that the Pentecostal movement spread like wildfire, touching hearts and life with its hallmark emphasis on the baptism in the Holy Ghost. 
evidenced by speaking in tongues. This revival gave birth to various Pentecostal denominations, each with distinct beliefs, practices, but united by one experience of spirit baptism. As the movement grew, so did the desire for doctrinal unity and organization structure. This led to a historic merger in 1945 when two predominantly Pentecostal groups, the Pentecostal Church Incorporated and Pentecost, uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of Jesus Christ, united to form the UPCI, United Pentecostal Church International. The merger was driven by a shared adherence to the theological doctrine known as Oneness Pentecostalism, which emphasizes non-Trinitarian understanding of God and the necessity of baptism in Jesus' name. The UPCI emerged from this spiritual hunger and doctrinal agreement as a body that was not only distinct in its theology, but also passionate about evangelism and church planting. From its inception, the UPCI placed a strong emphasis on living a holy life rooted in the teaching of the New Testament and on the urgency of sharing the message of salvation with all. This commitment to doctrine purity and the missionary zeal propelled the UPCI from, uh, from uh, North America beginning to a global pre presence. While the UPCI has always cherished its Pentecostal distinction, distinctives, it has not been without its challenges and controversy. The denomination has navigated through cultural changes, theological debates, and the ever-present tension between tradition and contemporary uh, relevance. Yet, through every season, the UPCI has remained resolute in its core convictions, drawing strength from its deeply rooted spiritual heritage. In its journey through the years, the UPCI has remained committed to the following vision to be a church built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. It is the vision that continues to inspire the UPCI's leaders, members, as they advance the cause of Christ in the 21st century. As the UPCI writes its ongoing story, it remains a vibrant part of Pentecostal landscape, marked by a distinct unity of faith and an unwavering commitment to the apostolic doctrine. Its emergence from the crucial of revival's merger to become a leading voice in the Pentecostal movement is a testament to the enduring power of faith and the unifying work of the Holy Spirit. Thus, the United Pentecostal Church International stands today not merely as a historical footnote in the chronicle of Christianity, but a living, breathing organism that continues to spread the transformative message of the gospel with vigor and zeal. We are so glad to be a part of that organization. And uh, I want to say this, you know, uh, like in our organization, there are the good and the bad, but nevertheless, one thing that I am drawn by was their resolute and steadfastness about the doctrine of baptism in Jesus' name, oneness of God. I am glad to be a part of a group of people that loves and care and has a passion. Um, again, they send missionaries like Brother Dill Starks, Sister Starks, Brother Willoughby, Sister Willoughby, Sister Jenny, you know, uh, grateful for 
for their sacrifices and we are will always be indebted to those uh, uh, this United Pentecostal Church International and we want to continue to partner with them. Um, we are so excited, you know, about the outpouring of the Spirit and I know God wants to do it again and I do believe that in the last days, the greatest revelation will be the name of Jesus. You know, uh, God's going to do it. Like, like what I say, I want to be very careful. I want to uh, do this in loneliness of mind and with a gentle spirit, not, not just to debate with people. Folks, we don't have time to debate with people. You know, I, I, I realize that, Lord, only you can prove it to them. Only you can visit them through dreams and vision. You know, and, and again, uh, we need to be, you know, uh, 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 careful that we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and how to approach issues, you know. And sometimes God will reveal to them before we need to open our mouth. Amen. I believe so. You know, so again, why don't we just lift our hands and be grateful, you know, for what we we, we, we are a part of Father in the name of Jesus We are so grateful for missionaries Lord again God We are so grateful for Missionary Starks We are so grateful for missionary Willoughby God Missionary Jenny Miller God Who have come to our shores To proclaim God That, that you are one To proclaim your identity So that we can be baptised in your name And be filled with the Holy Ghost We are so grateful And today God I'm asking God That you will continue to help us Work together in unity Lord, I ask God that you will help us, God, continue to preserve the doctrine, propagate the doctrine, God, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful for this heritage and we ask God that our generations ahead of us, God, will also be grateful, God, for this revival of the name of Jesus. I pray for this nation, Lord, just like you did it in, in, in times past, God, Lord, we are asking you to do it again, God. God, for your kingdom and for your glory, not for us. Lord, it doesn't matter. Lord, it doesn't matter who send the message across. But God, I'm asking you, God, that you bring a revelation and understanding, God, to church leaders, God. Lord, just like in the days of old, that, that there'll be no resistance, but Lord, that you will bring this revival, God, in such a way, God, that you will cause a spiritual unity, God, right now, God, among the churches all around the nation. So, Father, I ask right now, God, Lord, may the Word of God be real, God, to all of us, God. May we see this revival in the nation of Singapore. I've seen, God, I've seen in a vision, God, when you first fill me with the Holy Ghost, that church will replace, Lord, the, 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 the name of Trinity, God, and put, God, that you, God, are, are the source, God, Lord, that you are one, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, let your will be done, Lord. I pray, God, that we humble ourselves, God. We say we can't do it. Only you can do it. Lord, manifest your glory one more time, God. One more time, God. Again, God, I'm grateful, God, for all that you are doing, God. Bless our listeners today in Jesus' name. Amen. And and, and, and again, uh, day 20. Uh, I, day uh, where am I right now? It's 20... The next day, okay? Uh, we're going to be talking about something that's very unique. Uh, we're going to talk about the outpouring. You know, I, I'm not sure whether people know this, that in 1972, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit 
you know, and 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 you know, it began in ACS, the Watchtower revival. I'm not sure whether you 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 heard about that, but tomorrow I'm going to briefly discuss, you know, and then some of these scholars that study this revival, they realize that you know there is a, a, a what. Uh, what caused that outpouring, you know Again, God bless you I know I've taken a little bit longer But I'm excited um, Have a great day in Jesus' name